Before we get into today's episode with Jacob and Eli, I just want to take a moment to thank the people who make this show possible, our wonderful community over at patreon.com slash Outer Rim Reads. I truly mean it when I say I'm so thankful that each of you have chosen this podcast to support, as well as independent creators in general. It really means a lot that you all have decided what you hear on this show is worthy of your generous support. Thank you so much. As always, I do want to give a very special shout out to our patron at the Lothal tier, Simon. If anyone would like to join our community, we've got some great rewards and benefits. You'll get access to our patron-only Discord server, episode bloopers and bonus clips that didn't make the final cut, exclusive stickers specific to each season, early episode access and monthly Q&A live streams, exclusive t-shirts with an Outer Rim Reads logo design that's only available to certain patrons, and so much more. We're always looking for new members to join our family, especially to take part in our monthly Star Wars trivia nights, which have been so much fun. So if you're able to, please join us for as little as $3 a month over at patreon.com slash Outer Rim Reads. Now let's get into episode 38, discussing the Republic and the Separatists from a certain point of view. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to episode 38 of Outer Rim Reads, a podcast that journeys chapter by chapter through Star Wars novels across the canon. My name is Andrew Geha, and I'm your host along this journey. In this episode, the second of our interseason break, we'll be looking at the Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems, better known as the Separatists, from a certain point of view. And to help facilitate this discussion, I'm joined by the co-hosts of the podcast Star Wars in a Galaxy, Jacob and Eli. Jacob, Eli, how are you doing today? I am doing just swell. So happy to be here, Andrew. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to breaking this all down. Having some hot takes. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. We were discussing this before the recording started, but we had just recorded an episode yesterday that went over three episodes that seemed very connected to this specific issue. So I'm very glad that we had a little bit of that going into it beforehand so our thoughts could be a little bit more developed and yeah. um it was perfect time. And hot takey this time. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. I was doing a little, you know, doing some prep either way. And when you were telling me about the the episodes that you watched beforehand, you know, we're we're on the same page. Uh, I'm excited to hear what you both have to say. I know that oftentimes in listening to your show, one of the things that I enjoy the most is that you both can come at certain issues from from two very different points of view. Uh, and and it's fun to hear that, you know, I don't I don't want to say argued out, but just talked out and and reconciled and. I think I have the two the two perfect guests on to talk about this specific um, issue too as well. So <laughs> I'm just looking forward to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I'll add a little disclaimer here, which is a quote I love to use on In a Galaxy. When Ben says to Luke in Return of the Jedi, so what I told you was true from a certain point of view, the best part of that scene, in my opinion, is what Ben responds to Luke saying basically, what the heck, man, which is Luke... You will find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. All this to say, this is all just our opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 fun to talk those out. And and really, I feel like, you know, before we get get into the episode, really, the, the beauty of, and I guess this started in episode five, but the beauty of, I think, what Disney has done with Star Wars is kind of paints the galaxy in more gray strokes than the typical kind of good versus evil, you know, as as might have initially begun with Star Wars. Uh, and, and that's really, I think, the merit of this the, this discussion is, and this was touched on in the Clone Wars, kind of the humanization of the other side. And I think that's very important to discuss. And it's there are some fair points that can be tossed back and forth. But but really, before we get into that, just because this is both of your first time on the show, could you give the listeners a little bit about kind of your introduction into Star Wars, a brief overview of your Star Wars fandom, just to so they can know where you're coming from from all this? Yeah. Eli, you want to go first? I was going to ask Jake to go first. <laughs> okay, yeah. The, I mean, your story is so good. Maybe we should... Less wacky story. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll go first. So, yeah, I've been a Star Wars fan for, for quite some time now. Um, 
I think around third grade, I remember getting into Star Wars by, of all things, reading the reference books, you know, with all the different, the cross sections of the ships and the chart of all the lightsabers in my school's library. And ever since then, I've just, I've been very passionate about Star Wars. I love it. It's been, it's just been constantly there in my life. And, uh, yeah, I got into making this podcast with Eli, um, like last January, yeah, January 2020, um, we were talking one day, um, you know, it was just like, yo, Jacob, what if we make a podcast? And I, I was just, I was like, what the heck? What are you talking about? What, what is this? Like, I was, I, I just said, okay, may, I'll give it a shot. And then, you know, we got, we, we had a rocky start, but I think we, we found our groove and, um, we've got a really fun thing going and, I, and I've had an absolute blast. Yeah. So my in- entrance, as previously hinted at, into Star Wars with a little more unconventional. So let me tell you something. One of the best video game franchises of all time is Angry Birds. I still play it to this day, and I love the Angry Birds franchise. Um, And Angry Birds, I don't know if you know this, made two excellent Star Wars spinoffs. Yes. And that's legitimately how I got into Star Wars, by playing those games. And I then went back and watched the movies, and I, I started to get really into this, and then I met Jacob, and we started to, like, you know, have a really great friendship, and, you know, I just had this idea, I'm like, okay, this is gonna sound crazy, we're gonna have to go through all the viewable media in Star Wars and do this as a podcast, and Jacob's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. Trust me. <laughs> it's gonna be great sounds like such a bland saying, but every time I think about it in my head, I just flash back to the Marshall, um, and Cobb Vance looking at the collection of Tusken Raiders and, and um, Freetown soldiers and looking at them and saying, it's going to be great. And that's pretty much what In a Galaxy was. We started with, of all things, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, that's a good um, one. <laughs> because, of course, as Twitter has taught us, you can't be a true Star Wars fan unless you know who Revan is. Um, <laughs> I, still can't be- I still can't believe you, you chose to start off with uh, with all the, the KOTOR cutscenes because you... Uh, Eli, you do not like Revan, and you have not for a long time. I, I hate Are this guy. Fake fan over here. Fake fan alert. I hate that guy. <laughs> no, actually, Loki. Though I love the story. I I love pretty much everything about Kotor, sure. except for Revan. Can't stand kind that of, guy. So kind of get the, out of here. The, the main focus of the first yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you hate the first game. You love everything <laughs> about it except for the main character. <laughs> I gotta say, you, you might be the first, uh, Eli, you might be the first person I've ever heard of who had their introduction into Star Wars through the Angry Birds uh, Star Wars game. This is what I am saying. This is this is yeah, what I'm uh, saying. <laughs> I remember I, I had played those, and those were some fun some fun versions. But uh, that that's uh, some some fun intros into Star Wars and, and and creating the podcast at the start of Pandemia, uh, which is I feel like a lot of us found our creative outlet uh, around that time. It was actually before the pandemic. This is how I can brag about it because it was before the pandemic. <laughs> We hit all of our growth. Everything we did was during the pandemic. But, like, the first three episodes were recorded in person. The both of us were actually sitting We were sitting there. in my room. We were we were on the floor with Eli's microphone and laptop. <laughs> but <laughs> it was... And we were... And, and we, we did this thing where we watched the cutscenes and then immediately recorded the episode. That's which, fun. looking back on it, was probably not the best idea. <laughs> but, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. But I think the pandemic, there were fun episodes. yeah, l- like Andrew, like you said, like for many people, it kind of unlocked a level of creativity for us. Because Eli, I think that's when we started recording one per week, right? On the weekends. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. we got a schedule, we got, we got on Twitter, I got a reminder the other day that we just, yeah, uh, year. one year yeah. on Twitter, which was Happy crazy. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and it's when we started, you know, um, doing guest spots and all of that stuff. I've been teasing this a lot. There's a, there's a new series we're getting into on In a nice. Galaxy, which is going to be so hype. It is going to be, <laughs> it is, I am seriously so excited for this thing. It is going to be one of the best things we've done on this show. I am um, looking You've probably to that. seen it on Twitter. <laughs> It's called A Theme Between Themes. Based on it's... A World Between Worlds, yes. which is great. <laughs> Actually, by the time this releases, it will have launched. Well, I'm excited to see that, and, and I'm excited to talk about The Republic and The Separatists today. Uh, basically, you know, after after covering Master and Apprentice in, in Season 2 and, and seeing the way that Qui-Gon came to kind of see the galaxy through his experiences on 
Pejal after everything that happened with Fannery and the Zerka Corporation and kind of her criticisms of the Republic. And I know that's very niche. Uh, I'm just <laughs> based on the listeners who have already heard all that. But I, I appreciated the kind of the new look at the Republic and the galaxy that we got in that book where we started to see a lot of the kind of the flaws that existed within the Republic and the way that it operated in the galaxy. You know, kind of a lot of worlds benefited from it, but also uh, some worlds were kind of left in the dark because of it. And, and maybe not by intention, but... You know, there's just no way that the Republic itself could serve the complete needs of every system under its control. And, and we saw a lot of the threats to Pijal that happen when the Republic loses influence and entities like Zerka who can who can hop in and take advantage of these worlds where the Republic might not have as much control as with kind of core worlds like Coruscant. And so really with, with this discussion, I want to kind of dive into the pros and the cons of of both the Republic and the Separatists, as we get in the Clone Wars show, I know that it was expanded on a decent bit in the show, and also theoretically, with a body like the Republic and the Separatist movement, kind of looking at it from maybe a gray area point of view, kind of the good and the bad about both of these sides. So, you know, as we dive into that, and I, I know I spoke to uh, to Eli a bit, you know, when we were talking about this, about maybe you and Jacob taking on different sides of, of the of the conversation between the Republic and the CIS, but off the bat, the Republic versus the Separatists. Let's let's start with the Republic. What is, I guess, in in, in your minds, the merit of an organiz- of a governing body like the Republic that we saw in the Clone Wars, theoretically, let's let's dive into it. The good that the Republic brings to the galaxy. I think, you know, seeing in both the high republican canon from what little i've experienced of it and the old republic even in legends expanding um the many elements of which were brought into canon the foundation of the republic the idea of a republic is nothing but noble i in my opinion i i think it's like the whole idea versus execution of the idea sure i i think the idea of the republic of having all of these systems cooperate for the common good you know you could you could flash to many examples in star wars of when you know the heroes all rally their forces and they're able to defeat the enemy through underdog and you know i could countless examples the ewoks in (laughs) return of the jedi the one that comes to my mind of course is the fleet over exegol in rise of skywalker because because it's spelled out for you so incredibly clear in that moment. There's no navy, sir. There's just people, which is again blew my mind in the theater. And just in general, like you know, even something in, in Attack of the Clones, useless Star Wars trivia I have memorized. When those <laughs> 212 Jedi uh, hopped into the Petronaki Arena to save the day, uh, they again eventually do, and the Separatists just weren't ready for them because they didn't think that 212 Jedi would be there. And what's more, they didn't think the clones would be there either. So I think the idea of rallying forces to build for a common good is really great idealistically. In execution, that's where it gets a little messier, but like, you know. It's interesting you mentioned the common good is something that I uh, that I've I've seen and, and read about is that there's a lot of competing voices in the Senate in the Republic on on what defines the common good and I guess Jacob I, I'll, I'll toss this to you is that maybe in of itself a, a pitfall of the Republic is that only some voices get to determine really what the common good is for everyone else just based on democracy like based on what Eli said about rallying together for the common good and defining that good so I think um that I, I I thank you for that question because that that is a perfect segue into what I was going to say. But um, yeah, I think the Republic's idea of the go. common good. No, for, for I'll start off. I'll say some nice things about the Republic first. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be too one sided. I don't want to be one sided here. Um, the Republic is a very idealistic organization. It, it seems like one of those things where you know it was really born out of a great optimism and a, a faith in what sentience could do if they all came together and 
and collaborated. Um, and then, but, but by the time the Clone Wars rolls around, by the time even episode one, you know, by the time that rolls around, clearly we have a very different Republic, you know, it's over millennia at that point. Sure. Possibly it's been ground down by just the harsh realities of the galaxy. But I think that there is a merit to, to what it's trying to do. However, I think the Republic's idea of the common good is very central it's it's very centric to the core worlds and it's very mm-hmm. centric to humans and and we see in um in legends and also a bit not as much but a bit in canon you know these core worlds have extreme um they take political precedence and they have extreme political privileges over the rim worlds and also kind of on in that same vein a lot of these human ideals and um core world cultures were kind of forced onto the outlying systems mm. maybe where there were more aliens and fewer humans so i think that the idea of the common good um well while it is perhaps a noble idea i think that the republic's idea of it is a little bit too centralized in terms of most of the people in power are from the core worlds so that means that they're taking core world ideologies core world morals trying to push that on other people and so what's good for the core worlds may not necessarily be good for the outlying systems and that's part of how the galaxy gets so fractured to the point that the separatists arise is because there's so many systems that feel Mm. unheard and disgruntled you're gonna hear a piece of i'm gonna this is a weird piece of vocabulary that i just invented you're gonna hear jacob and i doing this both of a bit um, both of us have a sort of decent background in legends, um, and I have this thing called head legends, head, which head, is head basically head legends. Yeah, head, yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> which is things that we know to be true in legends. Yeah, we can't see why they wouldn't be true in canon, and so we're making them canon by the idea of I don't under I don't know why this wouldn't be true. Yeah, sort of like we a, don't see that it's been proven false. Yeah. I guess and in, in yeah, canon. yeah, like uh, <laughs> if it's if it's not been proven false, you know. Like, to take a silly example that Jacob loves. There's nothing in canon to suggest that Palpatine doesn't hate pizza. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I don't know. Look, look, the backstory to that is that one time I read on Wikipedia that Palpatine hated pizza. And to this day, I can't find that Wikipedia article anymore. So I don't know if I was dreaming or hallucinating or what, but I can't find any evidence of that. But I was I'm sure I read that somewhere. I'm absolutely sure of it. One hundred and ten percent. I will, I will die on that hill. Palpatine hates pizza. <laughs> in oh, so in my bu- head so canon. So you buy into him hating pizza. Yeah, in my head canon, I, I, I buy <laughs> I, into him hating pizza 100%. I mean, look, I'm not saying these people don't exist, but I'm just saying I don't think I've met somebody who hates pizza. So something that's nearly universally liked, again, I'm not sure about this, the devil. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not going to try to take that from him if... <laughs> If he likes pizza, if he doesn't, yeah. then then that that's on brand. Just with him being, I also like the idea that Palpatine, um, in his chancellorly role, pretends to very much enjoy pizza. He probably like uses the Force to like pretend to eat it or something. <laughs> Wait, what about what about Hawaiian pizza though? What do you think? Pal- what what would Palpatine's stance uh, be? He probably Hawaiian loves pizza? Hawaiian pizza because everyone else. <laughs> hey, I don't want to be compared to Palpatine in that way. Okay? <laughs> I, I bet Hawaiian pizza is the only kind of pizza Palpatine would want to eat. Hey, be quiet about okay, Hawaiian no pizza. Okay, no more Hawaiian. Okay, Eli, Eli's Eli's taking exception to the Hawaiian pizza. Chance. I have spoken. I have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Anyway. But that's 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 interesting. You're talking about kind of imposing core world values onto kind of outer rim or you know kind of any kind of planets outside of the core worlds. But I guess in in the Clone Wars. We see oftentimes, you know, various, and and I can't name specific missions or episodes because I'm not as well-versed in the Clone Wars as you both are, but we see that the Republic can do good work on these outer planets. And because clearly the the care for them is there, but the implementation of that care through the governing body might not be as effective as the Jedi actually, the you know, Jedi and the, and the Republic army is going out there to kind of fight for quote-unquote good. Yeah. So, so Eli, given what Jacob had said, what kind of validity do you see? Do you feel like the Republic serves the 
kind of is for the powerful, serves the powerful, and not so much those who don't hold as much influence as the core worlds do. How would you respond to that? I would go with an episode that we watched recently-ish for In a Galaxy. I'm trying to timeline in my head because we've pre-recorded so much. There is an episode, Jacob's going to be shocked that I picked this episode, called Mercy Mission in Season 4. This is going to sound like I'm arguing against the Republic, but I'm actually arguing for them. <laughs> At first. They go to help the planet of Aline. The Republic sends the Wolf Pack under Commander Wolf yeah. and R2-D2 and C-3PO to help the planet of Aline. Due to some weird adventures, 3PO and R2 figure out what's happening on Aline and stop the devastating earthquakes while keeping all of the creatures safe. My point is that the Republic means well. The Separatists, I mean, I, I know we haven't exactly gotten to them yet, but like, the Separatists, I can point to about six examples of Separatist leadership doing things that no way can you construe that mm. as meaning well. You know, there's that, we were talking about this on in the, in the Galaxy yesterday, there's that scene in Heroes on Both Sides, actually, where Padme is like, I don't know why anyone doesn't, why um, no one cares. Sure. And her handmaiden Tekla goes up to her and she says, well, you care. And I, I remember that and contrasted it with a moment where Luke says to, ha Luke says to Leia, I care. And when Rey says to Zori in Rise of Skywalker, I care. Mm. The heroes always care. The Republic, and I'm not, and, you know, we're meant to see the Republic in a whole heroic light in the Clone Wars. The Republic cares. What I'd say is that do special interests and corporations and the core worlds often get overrepresented in the Republic? Yes. There are many examples of the Republic caring for systems that are not as well off as the core world. It's an interesting point, and and I can toss it over to to Jacob after kind of I, th I thought of a moment from Dark Disciple, uh, a great book, underrated vastly, where Count Dooku had, and he is kind of the the governing leader. I guess is he the equivalent of kind of the Chancellor of the of the Separatist movement? He's kind of like their their leader he's definitely in charge yeah or he's the yeah. figurehead at least yeah the figurehead the political figurehead because i remember there was a moment where he had uh if i remember this correctly listeners if you know that i'm making a mistake please let me know but he had ordered the destruction of a refugee ship killing hundreds of innocent lives and i think it was a republic refugee ship but it was unarmed um and and he had pretty much effectively uh, executed them and, and so i can see where eli is saying that oftentimes the republic is painted in a, a more heroic light compared to kind of in in some instances we see just blatantly evil acts look, look at what happened on kiros what happened on kiros <laughs> dooku just popped in and enslaved an entire people so so given this given these examples jacob how is there any kind of care for the galaxy in the separatist movement? You know, we, we see some very extreme examples with what we had just mentioned, but maybe, is it maybe right to say that this, that the Confederacy doesn't care about the larger people? That is a very interesting question. Uh, first, I want to say, I'm not here to argue that the separatists were saints or even Sorry, possibly <laughs> a good influence on the galaxy overall but i i have and i also have some very good things to say about i have come yeah, and believe yeah. it or not. i have come to yeah. believe though however um while thinking about this that the republic if the separate the the republic i think they were no more the good guys than the separatists were the good guys which is to say overall they were probably both they were both the bad guys in this conflict sure. um but i think in response to what you said i think first of all um I, th I think the Clone Wars is not necessarily an omniscient narrator. Mm -hmm. And I think we see, you know, with the, the, the voice narration at the beginning of, um, of, of the episodes of the Clone Wars, um, it tends to use a lot of, uh, pretty, pretty emotionally charged language, <laughs> I might say. Um, so I don't necessarily think that for, for various storytelling and artistic purposes, I don't think the Clone Wars is necessarily trying to give us a um just a complete like historical crash course in the clone wars mm. but it's it's t trying to tell its own narrative which is of course overwhelmingly from the point of view of staunchly pro-republic characters sure. padme anakin obi-wan ahsoka the jedi order the republic senate there's a, there's only a handful of episodes i can think of that 
show some non-military side of the separatists, such as pursuit of peace. Yeah, and Heroes on Both Sides, which of course we just watched, so that is incredibly fortuitous. And Andrew, you just watched Heroes on Both Sides as well, so perfect. Um, and, and I think, such obviously we see in Heroes on Both Sides, we see the good intentions that the Separatists have with Mina Bon Terry. And I think, for some examples, you know, in terms of the military, we see a lot of the good intentions of people like Padme, Anaconda Far. Anakin, Obi-Wan. Maybe we don't see some things that, that have been alluded to and mentioned. For example, how the Coruscant Guard, as soon as the Battle of Genosis happened, started, the clones, the Coruscant Guard, started violently cracking down on the, uh, the alien population, um, according to Wikipedia. So I'm not exactly sure which, uh, comic or, or book I assume it comes from. But in, I, I would say that we don't necessarily get the full picture. And I think that, when you strip away the, the Sith influence, I think that there's a lot of bad intentions, obviously, in terms of the Separatist Council, but there's a lot of good intentions with a Separatist Parliament. And I think the same thing is true with the Republic. Look at the Republic senators. Look at people, like, there's just blat- there are people who are just blatantly war profiteering. Look at, um, Halle Bertoni or uh, any, any of the, uh, like the Techno Union has a senator, the banking clan has a senator, like, yeah, th- those are separatists, though. But they're still they're still in the Republic Senate. They are, they are still like they're in there, and the Senate is tolerating them. They have collaborators, they have allies in the Senate, and I think that just shows how the banking clan, yes, the technology. You don't necessarily like get semantic. the full picture from the episodes that we see of the Clone Wars. I will say a lot of the arguments that Jacob's making, um, and I'm not accusing him of being an original. I'm just trying to. There's a there's a really great YouTube video that I would point everyone to, you should put this in the description, one of the best Star Wars videos not made by somebody with the last name Damon, in my opinion. <laughs> it's a video by the Lore Master. You know the Lore Master? I've heard um, of him. I think I've, I think I've heard of that guy, yeah. And he, and he does, I forget the exact title of the video, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's a video basically explaining the motives of the Separatist civilians, and how the Separatist civilians were really just kind of people who believe that the republic was too corrupt and how a lot of separatist civilians didn't actually like you know uh, they they put their trust in a, a few wrong people but they weren't evil they were just and i think you that's exactly what i'm trying to say but i think you could say the same thing for the for the republic as well given that the republic then turns into the empire and does some pretty nasty stuff itself and and just the fact that so many people as as we see liberty dies with thunderous applause a lot of the people who are pro-republic end up being thunderously applauding the empire. I, I got, I got, I was, I was just looking up the video. Why the separatists were the good guys in the Clone Wars? Interesting. I will post a link to that in the episode description. Yeah. That is very, very relevant to, to a side of what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to take a look at that. I, I do like that you brought up Senator Bonteri. For any listeners who are not familiar with her. Uh, she is a, a senator in kind of the separatist parliament who in, in the Clone Wars episode, I think season three, episode 10, heroes on both sides, Padme travels out to kind of try to negotiate with the separatists through her conversations with Senator Bonteri. And, and something that Ahsoka sees when they arrive to, I forget the planet name, but when they arrive- Raxus. 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 Am I saying that right? Raxus? Yes, Raxus. R-A-X-U-S. Okay, Raxus. When, when Ahsoka arrives to Raxus and is taking in kind of Senator Bonteri and who is the, the young kid? I forget his name. Lux. 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 Lux Bonteri. Oh, yeah, Lux Bonteri. When Ahsoka is t- kind of taking in uh, Senator Bonteri and her son Lux and, and hearing- Bonteri kind of plead to Padme kind of her side of the story and Ahsoka kind of cuts in and, and says, you know, as a separatist, and like, didn't you start this war? And then kind of Bonteri sits her down a little bit saying, you know, that's a very polarized point of view. And and, and that is what we Which get from the basically quote. a Mina Bonteri fakpov. Yes, man, pretty much. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But it, it's just, it was interesting to see because that is Ahsoka's first time seeing the human side and, and not really human as in kind of human as a, as a species, but kind of the humanization of the separatists. Because this whole time she's been fighting with the Republic Army, with the Jedi against the military side of the separatists. But this episode was, I think, the start of her seeing the humanization of them and seeing their concerns, their needs. And, and it is 
kind of important to realize. And I think that maybe, you know, this was Ahsoka's first view into that, but as viewers too, that might have been our first or one of our first glimpses into the real concerns of the separatists because we see in in their parliament in what Bonteri is saying that there are real people with legitimate needs and concerns that maybe by what Jacob's saying with the point of view of the Clone Wars show we might never get as in-depth of a view into as maybe we deserve yeah you also have to remember that in that episode in Heroes on Both Sides they vote on whether to extend an olive branch to the public yeah and the eyes win. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, before Palpatine and Dooku do their scheme things, they win the dang thing. I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah. And the fact that the Republic, they get really close to doing the same thing before, again, Palpatine and, and Grievous start start messing around. Yeah. I think that shows that there's still a lot of good intentions on both sides and people who truly believe that they're try- just trying to do the right thing. I think, unfortunately, that gets lost among, you know, obviously the rampant corporate interests and political greed. I also like the idea that I was bringing this up on episode of In a Galaxy we were recording yesterday. That So Jacob said that with that vote, you see there's still a lot of good intentions in the Republic. What's another way of phrasing that? There's still good in him, Obi-Wan. <laughs> I know there's still yes. good in him. Talking about that the Republic. Anakin is a metaphor for the Republic. That's, that, that's something. <laughs> that all of Anakin, I mean, not directly, but like, that good intentions, how do I say this? Good intentions. Good um, intentions. Hampered. Yeah. Hampered by corrupting yeah. influences. Mm-hmm. And good in, also. Become bad intentions. Yeah, good intentions, but so much uh, just feelings of being lost and conflicted that eventually, yeah. just like, just like Anakin, um, turning to the dark side, you know, when the senators and when Palpatine is massively popular when he comes to power, obviously, um, they both end up kind of losing touch with reality because of yeah. how much stress they're yeah, under. He dies with thunderous applause. Yeah. Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Like, tri- it's a triumphant thing for Anakin. Yeah. And really a triumphant moment for the Republic for many people when Palpatine kind of announces the taken a, a, a sharp right turn into a galactic empire and we see that liberty died they were already against the jedi supplies. because palpatine manipulated yeah. them to be so against the jedi yeah the the reason this came up by the way the the way i figured this out was jacob and i have long had a this is not i call it a th- theory makes it sound less legitimate than it is it's an interpretation of the clone wars which is that padme is the biggest threat to palpatine's plan at any given moment Facts. not the jedi it's padme Facts. And I realize that it's with the Republic side because she chooses to see the good in the Republic. And it's also with Anakin because she chooses to see the good in Anakin. Mm. And I'm like, wait, so if she chooses to see the good in both of them, despite extremely flawed influences on both sides, then could one be a metaphor for the other? And that's how I came up with this idea. That's fascinating because, you know, she does time and time again choose to, you know, because she sees that there's a lot of voices in the Senate that are trying to keep the war going, you know, more, more war, we need to stamp out the separatist movement, you know, kind of violence is the answer. And we see her time and time again, try to appeal to the good that she sees in what the Republic can be. But as has often been said, or has been said previously on previously on this episode, good intentions, and actually putting that into practice can fall through at times, there was an interesting moment and this kind of tied back to Master and Apprentice a little bit, where one, where a senator in the separatist parliament said, quote, this is a democracy, and unlike the Republic, we do not allow oh. corporations to rule us. Such a good quote. I mentioned that yesterday in our episode, and I have so much for this. And it's, and because it, we see that you both have mentioned kind of the senators representing the Trade Federation and the banking plan, like they have substantial voices in the Senate. And in Master and Apprentice, we saw that or we didn't really see so much as kind of theorize and Qui-Gon internally said, huh, like that's actually a really fair point, is that the Zerka Corporation is paying off a lot of senators to allow them to maintain their foothold in these systems and keep practicing slavery, like what we saw in Pijal. So we see that that's a glaringly good point. You know, I'm not trying to say that the separatist movement is not 
free of of corporate influences like that but but looking at it from this from the confederacy and the separatist point of view that's a as fair of a point as can get where there is a lot of kind of corporate involvement and interest playing out in the politics of the republic and as someone in a, in a separatist system i might be kind of validated in saying i don't want any part of that and that's a good idea idealistically it's just th- this is actually one of my biggest problems with the separatists is that it, it's actually very similar to the republic in this way which is that they start off with good intentions but they get corrupted uh, at the end of the day by the same things because yep. And this is why I think, in my opinion, that the Separatists are more corrupt than the Republic. Because the Republic has... Yes, the the corporations are paying off a lot of senators. The literal ruling council of the Separatists is big corporations. That's all it is. Like, they, they have a Senate, and I guess they hold some power. But there is a ruling council. The Geonosian factories, the techno union, the banking clan. Corporations don't rule us. Yes, they do. Kind of they, they're all that rule you. That's what this is what I was arguing. Point of order. Yeah. Uh, there are actually uh, four. There are actually four members of the Separatist Council who are not, in fact, uh, CEOs or, I mean, I knew corporate connections. There's Poe Nudo and Ticks, who are ex-Republic senators who left, and then there are also two um, politicians, a Quarren and an Aqualish, who I think are unnamed. So it's it's not Pernudo entirely. Is an Aqualish and Tessic is a Quarren, so I don't. I think you're making up two of them. Oh no, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, so there's two. There's still two. That's 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 more than that's more than the, that's quite a bit more that's, than zero. That's something so. I did not expect him to pull out. So. Clearly, Elias yeah. overstepped his bounds. I win. I I call. I'm calling it now. This <laughs> this podcast Separate is adjourned. Room. It's adjourned. It's the, over. It's the, done. Though then, Bye, again, I, though then again, you did <laughs> just duplicate two yes, senators. Yes, I did. I did just you did duplicate. Just duplicate two duplicated senators. a senator. Jacob has. How embarrassing. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I think I think that is a good point. But then also we have the um. We, we we can't forget about the separatist parliament because that that like the ruling council exists, but the parliament exists too. And I think there's a whole discussion to be had about how is the parliament just a way to placate the systems that are separatist, or does it actually have power? But I, I would say that it at least has marginal power, you know, with the vote to reach out, because clearly the people who don't want peace see that as quite a big threat. Both of your points are kind of leading to one of the questions that I had kind of thrown at you both uh, leading up to this recording is, and, and I guess this has been kind of a segue into that, you know, you both have accurately said that there is a a, a parliament, a separatist parliament that has a political voice. It's it's voicing the needs of this of the people in the CIS in the Confederacy. It's debatable how much it's actually doing that, but it's it's doing that. At the end of the day, you know, they in in heroes on both sides, they did vote for peace, but in the end, we saw, like you both had mentioned, that the likes of Palpatine, Dooku, Grievous, they were the ones behind the scenes that were like, all right, that's cute and all, we're going to stamp that out and keep this war going, keep the polarization going, keep this divide between these two bodies going. So if that is not part of the equation, let's say if Palpatine had not been pulling the strings, if the likes of Dooku, Grievous, you know, Newt Gunray, Wat Tambor, all of those kind of leaders behind the scenes, not as in front doing their machinations in front of the parliament and all that, if they're not part of the equation, I guess, would the the separatist movement be more validated? Would this conflict have even happened in the first place if Palpatine and, and the likes of him hadn't been pulling the strings behind the scenes? Basically, was this conflict inevitable or was it only because of, you know, the, the, the people in power kind of manipulating behind the stage? That's such a good question. I think that... uh in terms of legitimacy, I think as an overall movement, the separatist uh, movement and the separatist war effort is just a, is however legitimate as you want to see the Republic's impulse to go to war because they both are so wrapped up in various corporate interests, you know, money tainting politics, strings behind the scenes. But in terms of if there were no Sidious pulling the strings behind the scenes. Maybe if Sidious and Palpatine were actually 
estranged twins, let's say. Um, I think I, I <laughs> or even if there was, yeah, or no if there was no Sidious, I would, if there, if there wasn't the, the behind the scenes connection between the two, I'd see it going one of two ways. One, um, you know, there's, I think there's a really good chance that without the interference, Padme and Mina Monterey could have possibly negotiated peace and they may have reunited or maybe there would have been a big, uh, galactic partition and a new separatist government would have, uh, would have been formed. Um, on the other hand, and this is something that maybe sounds a little bit far-fetched. I think that, um, because in the episode pursuit of peace, we see, um, the banking clan Senator openly bragging to Padme about how much money he's like, how much money they're making off both the separatists and the Republic. If they, possibly they might then become Palpatine in a way and kind of do maybe not quite as much string pulling, but I think they would could quite possibly, I could quite possibly see that group, the banking clan, because they're loaning out so much money to both sides, be the ones being a pseudo Palpatine, yeah, be, being a pseudo -Palpatine mm -hmm. and trying to pull the strings on both sides to keep the conflict going, or at least oh. make it as profitable as possible and push the agendas of the more pro-war politicians in the two bodies. Jacob, you just gave me an excellent excuse to use the quote I quoted to you about three times yesterday. I'm going to do it again, okay? Okay. Good guys. Bad guys. <laughs> it's all machine, partner. They're free. <laughs> Don't join. I mean, yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Slaps yeah. car. This slaps poster. This bad boy fits so much symbolism in it. Yeah. <laughs> Great <theme. laughs> It helps because I literally have a poster behind me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> My ideas are slightly different than Jacob's. I don't think his ideas are unrealistic at all. I think they definitely could happen. I'm not convinced that, that there would have been a war. I'm convinced that the separatist movement would have formed. I'm not so convinced that there would have been a war. And this is one. This this is going back to actually an idea in Heroes and uh, on both sides that is an issue of mine with the prequel trilogy and the prequel era that never really like, in my opinion, gets adequately enough explained. Which is, I understand the tensions between the Separatists and the Republic. I don't understand why it goes to war. There's that very very hand wavy, confusing line that Anakin does in that episode. Well, the Separatists believe the Republic is corrupt. And they're wrong. And we have to restore order. Which is just the most, like, it does not explain anything. The Separatists believe the Republican is corrupt. Yes, they do. But they're wrong. Uh, no, they're not. Are they, though? Um, like, from a certain point of yeah, view? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but no, they're not. And we have to restore order. From what? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're disagreeing point of views, but, like, all I know is that the Separatists had weapons, and the Republic had weapons, and they decided to use them on each other. I think really, when it comes down to it, I think it was because of Palpatine kind of influencing Newt Gunray and the Trade Federation. That's what I'm getting to, really, is that I'm not so sure it would have come to war. I think actually eventually it might have blossomed into war. I think it would have been, been like, there's that thing I'm now thinking from Legend, and I'm going to completely, because... Because Jacob and I know some things about Legends, but we're no means like Legends aficionados, <laughs> so I'm going to butcher something right here. There's a scene from Star Wars Media, which we watched for In a Galaxy, and now is regaining a cult following due to its inclusion on Disney+. Plus. Star Wars Clone Wars, the 2D animated series mm. by Gendy Tartakovsky. Yep. There's a scene where on a planet that I'm forgetting the name of, Dooku and the Separatists officially it's like imagine the american signing of the declaration of independence but like it's the separatists all convening on a planet and saying we're out of here what i'm trying to say is in the legend chronolo chronology there seemed to be way more build-up mm. to the war yeah definitely there seemed like and i and i think that's what a non-palpatine influenced war would be i think if it would ever get to war it would be war after the separatists existing for 10 years sure and creating strife with the Republic. I think it would be like a powder keg. Yeah. And it'd be like just... But I'm, I'm not so sure it would have gone come so quickly. And I'm not sure it would have existed at all, yeah. to be completely honest. It's, it's an interesting point, you know, because when it comes to the formation of the Separatist army with the battle droids and all that, that was a lot of kind of Palpatine 
talking with Newt Gunray behind the scenes and uh, and or Palpatine proxy talking with Dooku, or, who's yes. then talking with yeah. And so um, if you remove that, another actor, thing, then... another thing I I'm just thinking is that I'm not convinced the war would last as long and be as bloody as it was. Sure. Yeah, because this is another thing, and this is a head legends thing, because which is I know it's legends. I'm almost certain it's canon, and it it damn well should be canon because it's it's such a juicy tidbit, which is that Palpatine and Dooku would plan out the battles most of the time. They're like, okay, so you're gonna win this one, yeah. and we're gonna win this one, and and Palpatine was also engineer his use of Anakin through that because Palpatine wanted Anakin as the war hero. So he'd, he'd be like, okay, so we're going to put Anakin here. We're going to put Anakin on Malastare in Season 2 of The Clone Wars in the Zilla Beast arc because the Battle of Malastare is going to be a huge Republic victory. But we're not going to put Anakin on Umbara because the Separatists are going to win Umbara. Yep. That doesn't happen. The Republic actually does win Umbara. But the Re- Republic wasn't supposed to win Umbara. Yeah. Yep. I think in that vein, if I can cut in here for a second, another possible alternate timeline in terms of um, the foregone conclusion that I seem to have made that war would have broken out, is Camino because in Legends, I'm very certain yeah. that in Legends at least, Palpatine see- had to secretly sabotage, he had to like last minute sabotage the attack on Camino because it was so deadly and could have completely taken it out. So without that sabotage, mm-hmm. that could have stopped the Republic war effort in its tracks. And I think who knows... What would have happened had there been a separatist victory? I think that if we take away the people at the top, the the schemers in the separatists, we quite possibly could have just seen them then like from that very, very strong position negotiate a peace and just take huge swaths of the galaxy. And then we would have seen a very cut down, weak republic have to build itself back up from from scratch pretty much. There's another interesting thing that you point out, which is that, you know, the clone army might not have existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. They... But here's the thing: if you remove the leaders at the top of the Republic and you remove leaders at the top of the Separatists, you remove Dooku at the top of the Separatists, you remove Grievous at the top of the centri- Separatists, you remove Ventress at the top of the Separatists, you remove Savage for his brief stint. But on the Republic side, you don't lose the Jedi. So That's a whole another conversation. <laughs> because you know, and and one Jacob and I have had many a time uh, on in a galaxy, but. If the Republic could muster up some sort of volunteer army, which I'm not saying it was easy, but, like, the fact of the matter is the Republic would be top-heavy with Jedi, and the Separatists just wouldn't. Yeah. And then there's that whole debate we could have with the ambush thing about the whole, um... Jay and I, by the way, both... <laughs> we have so much many different Star Wars opinions, but we both agree that episode is just such a gem. <laughs> that whole one Jedi is worth a hundred battle droids thing. I don't think... This Jedi is worth a hundred battle droids, more like a thousand. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the influence of the Jedi here as a military force, which we could get on a, a whole conversation yep. about how that's really not what the Jedi were supposed to be, but as, as a military force, the Jedi give the Republic quite an advantage. For sure. Um, and, and like you alluded to, that intertwining of the Jedi with their Republic politics and kind of being, as I think Qui-Gon thought of it in Master and Apprentice, as kind of the the Republic's police force uh, almost is is not, and he was very critical of that, realizing what they had become. Was he wrong, though? I don't have the, the quote with me, but it was very spot on, uh, kind of doing and extending into areas of the Republic's kind of goings-on that they didn't really have any right to, but that's just how it was, and that was a dangerous path to be on. But you're right, and that's a, that's a whole other conversation, perhaps for for a different time, but an interesting thought, too, that that is still part of the Republic, even if you do remove kind of the, the figures at the top. But I guess as we're, as we're closing out this discussion, let's look forward to After Liberty Died to Thunderous Applause. You know, the, the Republic is no more. The, the Separatists will soon after be, be wiped out and by, you know, I guess their leaders were already wiped out by Vader or currently being wiped out by Vader when that yeah. speech was being given. We love you, Kalani. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we didn't forget about you. Based, based on what we've discussed, is there theoretically any merit to the formation of the galactic empire seeing the weaknesses of the republic 
seeing how although it intends well, it often doesn't happen that way for worlds that might need it that aren't part of the core worlds. You know, we've seen some flaws with the Separatist movement as well and, and how they do what they do. Is there any merit to the Galactic Empire? I guess both both let's let's talk about both with and without Palpatine. And I guess it's really such a a slippery slope to to talk about okay if Palpatine hadn't been there like you know all these things could have been different but you know it, it's it's a tricky conversation but is there any merit to the formation of the empire given everything we've discussed purely theoretically one of the most interesting pieces of evidence that i think of when i'm thinking of the merits of and the distractions of the galactic empire was from what now is when we're recording this a very very recent piece of star wars media and I'm talking about uh, Cut and Run, which was the second episode of The Bad Batch. Mm. In that episode, a heavy emphasis is p- placed on chain codes. The Empire takes it upon itself, and I can tell you this because it's not just in Cut and Run, it's also in The Mandalorian. The Empire takes upon itself registering as many citizens as possible. Just that idea is where we see the intentions of the Empire become less than noble. Mm. I wouldn't say there is there is no scenario where an empire can be good. Here's another weird Legends tidbit. In Legends, there's a comic series that I love called Legacy. And there is an empire in that comic series. This, by the way, Legacy is set 130 years after the original trilogy. Far into the future. There's an empire. But that empire is actually good. Huh. They make an empire the good guys. They're called the Fell Empire. They make them the good guys. I think I've heard of them. They're protected by these guards that have white lightsabers before Ahsoka made them cool. Um, <laughs> Hipsters. Uh, yeah. But they a very heavy emphasis was placed on them being good. Now there was the Sith Empire who then took over and that's a whole mess. But like, the point is that I'm not sure about without the influence of, uh, with, about with the influence of Palpatine. Without the influence of Palpatine, I don't think there is a 0% chance that the Empire, you know, could not have been bad. There's you know, a non-zero I, I, chance I, that they could that yeah, they were good. I, I, I just <laughs> realized the logic I was panting myself. <laughs> I don't think that the Empire was guaranteed to be bad without the influence of Palpatine. With the influence of Palpatine, I think they were guaranteed to be bad, pretty sure. much, actually. Uh, I, yeah, spoiler, I'm not one of those, and I don't think Jacob is either, one of those... Empire did nothing wrong. I know a lot of them. <laughs> only in jokes. Only yeah. for the memes. But that's it. That's as far only as for the, the joke has they just been played out they, by, they, at this they, point. They yeah. reduced crime and COVID nineteen infections on Alderaan to zero. What could, what's yeah, bad man. about that? Respect to Tarkin for that one. <laughs> Respect to Tarkin. He did a good deed. Ended unemployment. He did a very good <laughs> deed. It, 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 God, I mean, look at look at the final order. They just all of that rampant crime on Kajimi just gone. The, the I'm political. Just cut, cur- I'm just gonna cut this and just, ha- just put this cut out there and uh, with no context. <laughs> <laughs> All the political corruption of Bosnian like- crime, zero. Most <laughs> successful anti-corruption program of all time. So yeah, Jacob. Formation of the about. empire would it have merit? I think that um, most of what I'm gonna say applies to both with or without Palpatine, but I think with Palpatine. This is the galaxy's darkest possible timeline for this this moment. He's he's just following the dictator's playbook, and that's no accident on George Lucas and the writer's part, obviously. You know, he's taking advantage of dysfunction, massive uncertainty and fear, gains popularity as a strong man. I don't really see any possible upside of that. And then even if Palpatine wasn't there, um I think it would have only made the major problems facing the Republic worse. You know, astronomical, in um, pursuit of peace with Padme's handmaiden, we find out that, like, and Padme basically says, we're going into huge debt as a Republic in order to fund this war. Meanwhile, we can't take care of most of our citizens' basic needs. Like, my handmaiden and so many other people live without running water, hot water, electricity, People are people are starving. People are uh, facing severe poverty. Like it's a humanitarian crisis within our own society. Um, but I think that you know the Death Star, for example, things like that. It only makes the problems worse. Astronomical military spending while ignoring citizens' basic needs. That's the Empire's mo. Yeah. I think people feeling unheard in the democratic process. Look, look. Props to Palpatine for this one. You can't have legislative gridlock 
if there is no legislature <laughs> and you can't have or if the wait. legislature in like in like before he wipes out the senate in a new hope has like basically look, no power at all there is you can't have disenfranchisement if there's no franchise to begin with like yeah so i don't know i mean yeah and and it goes beyond that you know um as the republic was um pretty human kind of human and core centric from my point of view and i think that um as much as the Republic may have had most of that, um, not on purpose, the Empire certainly didn't. They, they, on purpose. it's like very on record, very, very on purpose. They wanted to create like a species based gas system and they, they were all about Talk the core Thrawn. worlds. You, you, yeah, look at Thrawn. We did an entire season on that book. That entire book is basically, you could say Thrawn's biggest enemy in that book is Night Swan. And you wouldn't be wrong per se. I would just argue that you'd be missing the point of the book. Yeah. yeah. The point of the book is that Thrawn's biggest enemy is racism. Yeah, yeah. And in that video, by the way, in the Loremaster video, it points out, and this is a very interesting thing, which is that most of the Republic's leaders were humans. Yeah. Most of the Separatist leaders, Dooku being a big exception. Remove Dooku from the picture. All of them are aliens. Yeah. All of them. One more thing. You know, in terms of, yeah, I think a lot of the major problems that the Republic had the Empire made it worse. Slavery. Like, the Republic kind of, they abided slavery, they turned a blind eye. The Empire was pro-slavery. Yep. Like, heavy-handed there. Yeah, like, pretty heavy-handed. So I think... They, they weren't just pro-slavery, they, like, did it. Yeah, they were they were slavers. <laughs> they were slavery. Um, so I, I think... <laughs> they were... Yeah. I think that ultimately, um, one of the reasons that I don't like the Republic as much as I used to, at least in the Clone Wars time, is that the Republic was basically fighting to maintain the status quo, and that and that continues with the Empire. I think that a lot of the traits that that people see in the Empire that that leads it to be one of the most um one of the most evil factions of in all of Star Wars are things that are just already present from the Republic and turned up to eleven. You know, the alien hate, the slavery, the massive military spending, the 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 bureaucracy, the political marginalization all those things already existed in the republic for all the good that the republic also did throughout its lifespan all those things existed in the republic the empire just said okay how about a, how about a lot more of those things and a lot less hold of everything beer. else <laughs> yeah hold my yeah, beer that's a meme that we should that's a meme we should totally make um have either of you seen spinal tap uh, spinal tap i, I, I can't say uh, i've I seen that okay it's about a it's about a rock and roll band it's a spoof movie they say um okay so we're gonna turn our amps all of the way up to 11 yeah and they're like, wait, but amps just go up to 10. Why, why don't you just turn them up to the 10? They're like, no, but this one goes up to 11. <laughs> and I'm just imagining the, the Republic's problems, the Empire. Yep. Well, this one goes up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Have you seen the first episode of The Bad Batch? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank God. I can, I can do spoiler stuff for this. In that first episode, you know, the, the, the Batch is sent to go hunt down Sagarera and his troops on, on, on Onderon. What's interesting to me is that's our first hint of Republic loyal people, I mean, other than that subplot in Revenge of the Sith, of Republic loyal people going against the Empire. Yeah. Because what often happened was the early rebellions in both Legends and Canon were actually former Separatists. Yeah. Because the fight hadn't changed for them. It reminds me of that Cassian quote, and this actually does connect to Cassian. Like, you know, um, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. And we we know, I forget what book this is from. Um, this might just be from a reference book. That Cassian, growing up, leaned towards the Separatists. Yep. He had some Separatist-leaning ideals. And it's interesting to me that before the Republic-loyal people who hate the Empire, really it really dawns on them. The fight between the Empire and the Rebellion is basically the same fight yeah. between the Republic and the Separatists. A lot of those problems um, still persisted. I would be interested to see a Rep uh, an Empire without Palpatine. I'm interested to see if it could have worked. I'm interested to see how Rebellions would go to it. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about. We don't really have the answers, which is why conversations like these are, are always th fun to, to theorize. But also, just one more thing. Turn it up to like <laughs> the Republic discriminates against non-human people and planets and senators and all of that stuff empire literally commits genocide yep. yeah or i should call it i'm surprised this is not a term that should that has that i haven't invented yet i'm surprised this is only coming to me now genocide oh wow it's too soon <laughs> <laughs>
There you go. We have yeah. prejudice and we have genocide. I mean, it's too soon. pretty much. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. And it's uh, just, I, th- I think that at the, at the end of the day, the separatist movement, although in practice it, it wasn't as, as, as pure as it might have been at, at its roots, it is pointing out legitimate flaws in the Republic. And I didn't know that when you count, you know, when you run the numbers, the number of senators in the Republic are, are they're more human voices than aliens and, and kind of the, the flip in the, in the separatist parliament. Um, and so I think there are valid, valid concerns with the Republic. And it's just, it's just the way that that's cared about, you know, helped on by Palpatine that, you know, what we get in the Clone Wars and in the canon that we have, the meaning behind its movement, I think, was kind of soiled by the machinations of, of Palpatine. Yeah. And to their credit, even though the New Republic in canon is mostly seen as a failed state for many reasons, I will note their chancellor at the time of Hosnian Prime's destruction was non-human. Oh. Yeah. I think in Legends... Chancellor Lanaver Villacham was not human. In Legends, the uh, the Old Republic, I guess now, had a... um had a hut chancellor at one point also really yeah <laughs> Actually, revenge. This, yes <laughs> I, I was just thinking about this detail in legends around the old time of the old sith wars a thousand years before the movies jedi serving as chancellor were just like really really common yeah really like wow there was a guy right after the the sith war named Chan- chancellor tarsus valorum he was finnis's like really great ancestor most of, by the way, in the reason that Finnis Valorum was even elected as Chancellor was due to how good Tarsus Valorum sure. was. This guy was awesome. One of the reasons this guy was so great was that he was, like, the first non-Jedi Chancellor in, like, six, seven Chancellors. Because everything was focused on the war effort with the Sith. Yeah. So it just made sense that the Jedi would lead the Republic. So that's just really interesting to me. That huh. When Palpatine was saying that the Jedi were plotting to take over... At least from a Legends perspective, I don't know about this from canon. He wasn't without precedence. Yeah, because precedent was there. Yeah. You're saying Palpatine's not yeah, wrong. That's going to be the takeaway. <laughs> that is definitely what I'm saying. That is that that is 100 the total meaning and context behind everything I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's uh, a, a great way to to wrap this to a close, um, Jacob and Eli. This has been a a great discussion uh you both have tossed around a lot of great points and i'm really really thankful that you've been able to make the time to 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 come on the show and talk about this but you know as we close up could you let the listeners know where they could find you and your work on the internet yeah you want to take this one go right ahead you're you're the plug Uh, master i I, I am the i I do i do this all the time i i I have these like practically memorized um you can follow uh star wars in the galaxy on twitter at in a galaxy pod um, on instagram at star wars in a galaxy you can listen to us anywhere you find your podcast spotify apple podcast google podcast i realize i never have an order for these um <laughs> i just this whatever my brain decides the order is is what the order is anywhere you listen to your podcasts we'll hopefully be there if we're not there you can always let us know how can you let us know by emailing us at swinagalaxy at gmail.com yeah that's all the plugs for in a galaxy i will say like i mentioned at the beginning this theme between themes thing is gonna be like shit. <laughs> looking forward to if, that. If 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 you've listened to it already, because I know when this is coming out after the first one's released, uh, I hope you enjoyed our reviews of the Sin, Cut and Run, and Family Reunion and Farewell Part mm. Two. You'll see how the, all those three are related. Okay. <laughs> all the uh, Tori and I get on that thing. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward. Uh, to that. Oh, you can also follow me, my personal account on Twitter at ochifan327 that is an actual twitter account that exists and i run it i'm usually on the galaxy pod though that's really great and uh, i i do have to say your show is probably one of the most fun that i listen to just uh, your banter as co-hosts <laughs> and also what you talk about is you know i just i love star wars and to hear both of your takes uh like i said before and how you you both don't agree about everything with that makes it even more interesting but it is a very fun listen and i'm looking forward to your next your next segments it's going to be it's going to be really great. Well, thank you so much. That really means a lot coming from you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I like all that. I'm going to tease one more thing, which is a lot of people know us as the Clone Wars podcast. And yes, we've been going through all the seasons of the Clone Wars. Once we get out of the Clone Wars, things are going to get crazy. <laughs> we have plans for like stuff like I want to do The Force Unleashed. Oof. I want to do Jedi Fallen Order. Oof. I want to do, you know, the the. I think this is a term that... um. Ken Knapsack from Force Center uses the boot of the Empire period. 
between yeah. Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is a really interesting period that yeah. I'm very looking forward to getting into. Yeah. But thanks, as always, for having us, Andrew. It's 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 been a blast. It's been really great. I really appreciate you both coming on, and it seems like some really great things are around the corner for In a Galaxy. I'll be staying tuned for that. But again, Jacob, Eli, this has been really great, and just really appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to follow Outer Rim Reads on social media to stay connected to the show as we move closer to the start of Season 3, you can follow us on Twitter at Outer Rim Read Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Outer Rim Reads Pod. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so if you head over to patreon.com slash Outer Rim Reads. And if you want some merch, you can find us at outerrimreads.creator-spring.com. Outer Rim Reads is created by Andrew Geha, it is hosted by Andrew Geha, it is edited by Connor Floyd, and it is produced by Andrew Geha as well as Simon Van Bakum. We will be back in two weeks with episode 39, the third of our inter-season break. So until then, sit back and enjoy. We have a From a Certain Point of View poem submission from Anakin Skywalker. Let's see here. Roses are red, violets are blue, the Jedi are evil from my point of view.